holiday season, treat yourself. Treat yourself to candy. Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. This is Arsecast Extra. Hello and welcome to another Arsecast Extra, as always, with James from Gunner Blog. James, goodly summer morning to you. How are you? I'm all right, thanks. Yeah, goodly summer morning to you too. How was your weekend? It was quite calm and relaxing and nothing too outrageous. Drank some beers, ate some food, cooked some food. It was all good. And you? Yeah, it was good. What was that thing you cooked and put on Instagram? I, I only glimpsed it as briefly as an Instagram story mm. would permit me. 15 seconds max. But yeah. I, I couldn't quite decipher what you'd made there. I made, uh, I think, I don't know what the actual name of it is, but I googled something like Korean crispy chili chicken, something like that, and I got a recipe. Yeah. So you cut uh, chicken into small bits and you, you uh, deep fry it in... in um, Cornstarch is what they say you should use. So you get this crispy, little crispy bites of chicken, and then you make a sauce with rice wine vinegar, soy sauce, this red Korean chili sauce, which is called... I'm going to mangle it here, and I'm very, very afraid that Mm. I'll get um, some pushback from Korean listeners who might make a diswrap video, because Mm. I've said this. It's called... Gongzhuang or Gongzhang red okay. chili. You get it in all the, the Asian supermarkets. It is absolutely fantastic stuff. You put in some brown sugar and all that, and you make this sauce. Then you put the chicken in the sauce, mix it all around, throw a few chopped peanuts on top, and it is swell. It's really, wow. really nice. The best thing to come out of Korea since Park Chu Young. It does sound delicious. It really it is. delicious. It really is. I have a recipe somewhere. Uh, I'll send it to you. You should try it. Everyone oh, yeah, should well, try it. It is, it is good. So how about you? Nothing strange or startling or out of the ordinary? Just trying to think. Not, not especially this weekend. Okay. Um, That's a shame because we have a question here on the, on the Discord. Um, and it comes from uh, Jonas, the slightly northern. I don't know what slightly northern he is, or the if that's to do with his location. Who knows? But he said, uh, "Hi guys, goodly day to you both." Has James had any recent misfortunes that bode well for the summer transfer window? Actually, <gasps> what I I tell you what. So I'm not even really sp- supposed to be here now. What you should be what? dead. I should be no. I, I should be on holiday, but oh. I'm not. Okay. So this could be good for Arsenal. Okay, hang Basically, on, hang I, on a second. Let's just backtrack a minute here. Yeah, you should be on holiday. When were you going to tell me that you were going to be on holiday? Mm. Not that you have to run everything by me, of course, but just for the sake of uh, probably easily. like 
I don't know. I, I've forgotten to tell you. So probably like a week before holiday, I would have given you some notice. I know you always do. I'm just, you know, making... But I was due to go to France with my wife and another couple who we know, some friends of mine, and then another mate of mine who was going to come, but his wife couldn't come. He was only going to come for the second part of the week. We were going to go right. to this lovely country house uh, in France for a week. And basically what happened was my wife, who's an actor, got a job uh, where she had to go film in Bulgaria and she could no longer come on the holiday. And essentially I told the people I was going on holiday with that it was just going to be me. And they said, let's just cancel the holiday then. (laughs) (laughs) And bear in mind, at this point, we're all several hundred pounds down. We've paid for the house, we've paid for the flights. So they they were like, we've had to think about it and if it's mainly just you... I think we just should all not go, to be honest. That seems very hard. These are good friends of yours, are they? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 20 years, probably. Wow. um, Wow. And so then I said, that seems crazy. You know, we've all put some money in. You know, I, I've, you know, you guys have put money in. It seems mad that no one should go. And in a sort of moment of kind-heartedness, I said, look... You guys go, you keep the money that I've put in so far. I'd rather someone went and enjoyed it. And they said, okay, so they've gone. (laughs) For fuck's sake. I know. That is really, that's harsh. I know. That's really harsh. I'm just back home. My wife's in Bulgaria filming. I'm just in the house on my own. I'm going out of my mind. And you could be in France in a nice country house having uh, a re- having a relaxing time with your with your so-called friends. Yeah, and I've put a healthy deposit on that. Uh, you know, I've paid money into that house. They be- I hope it's nice. I, wow. I can't wait to see it on Instagram or something like that. They better I mean, they bring did- you... Go on. No, they rang me... So this happened about 10 days before we were supposed to go, and then they rang me the day before being like, we've had a think and we feel a bit bad and... Uh, <laughs> And, you know, like, would you still like to come on the holiday? Would you and like to come on the, on the holiday that you paid for? Would you that like you've to paid come? For? And I was like, well, obviously, I, I like, A, I've made pl- some plans in London now, and also I just can't. How weird is it now if I go on that holiday? So I was like, no, don't worry about it. It's fine. Wow. And so, yeah. So, listen. Kieran Tierney signing, if and when it happens, is surely down to me and my disastrous failed holiday. Wow. I have to say... They're not Arsenal fans, so they won't be listening. Still, though, that's... I don't know what to say to that. That is so... Yeah. So mean. That's just mean. It really is. It's my fault because I, you know, I sort of made That's what they want you to think. Yeah, They've just been gaslighting you. They don't want say you to things think you don't your, mean. Yeah. That's the moral of the story. The moral of the story is don't try to be nice because people will believe that you meant it. Oh. So, I, but I mean, it's better that I found out that they didn't want to go with, with just me than that I went and it became clear over the course of the holiday. You know? I, I guess, but like... <laughs> neither, I mean, I can be very irritating company, let's be clear. Well, I mean, what were you going to do? Make a video asking them if they've got enough stuff of everything? Can't do that. That's (laughs) That's been done. That's true. That's been done. Um, Wow. So, yes. So, I have had some misfortune. And, look, I'm trying to do my bit, guys. I'm sure some sort of injury or ailment is next. Yeah. Well, look, if uh, Missed Holiday has brought about the 
the potential signing of Kieran Tierney from Celtic, mm. who knows what a mild accident or a sprain mm. or some kind of, I, I guess, small fracture might yeah. bring us in the transfer market. So will we fingers talk about crossed. yeah <laughs> fingers? Don't cross them too hard though, because you could literally break them. Exactly. Oh no, wait, that's what we want. That's what that's we want. What we that's want. what we want. Yeah, cross them and then hit them with a hammer. See uh, what happens. Yeah, hang on. Oh, there we go. There's a that's my finger snapping there. Wow. Oh, you're right. Yeah, no, fine. You know when you just click your fingers and stuff. Yeah. You know how it goes. Um, so Kieran Tierney, there is a, a bit of transfer news because all summer we've had speculation about this player and that player and this young mm-hmm. guy and that young guy and supposed bids and then no bids and then the whole Carrasco thing has been going on. Like, have you been following that? What's been going on with Carrasco? Kind it's, of. I mean, I've sort of lost weird. track of it. So he's at war with his club now, is he? He is at war with China itself, I believe. <laughs> right. That's the, a dangerous game. 1.3 billion people versus Yannick Carrasco. I think he is slightly outnumbered. Uh, the club are taking a very hard-line stance on him um, in terms of letting him go because he missed a game and there was some there was some issue with his uh, with his agent and uh, then there was all this talk about how, how his contract has been cancelled and that's not true and uh, it seems like a massive shit show though and one we should stay very far away from if you ask me. Yeah, I mean, it, from what I can sort of read between the lines, it doesn't sound like we're. Uh, quite as hot on it as maybe some reports have suggested. You know, I think his agent was asked directly if the club who've bid for him were Arsenal, and he said no. No. Um, So there is that, but it's an interesting one, isn't it? I mean, memories of, I don't know, Sylvain Wiltord falling out with his club prior to assigning him and things like that. Mm. But it's... it's, um, it's a, it's a great one when the agent starts sort of DMing, uh, you know, Arsenal, ITK, Twitter accounts with, like, explanations <laughs> of why Carrasco's missed his flight and stuff like that. I like that. It's like, it reminds me of back in the day when I would call up Andrea Sharvin's agent to find out, like, what was going on with his with his transfer he to was, Arsenal. He was very talkative. What was his Dennis name? Dennis Lachter? Dennis Lachter, yeah. He was really, really... Talking about, I think, to anybody. I think I could be. Um, are you? What are you with somebody on LinkedIn? Are you? Are you're not their friend or their buddy? You're guess. connected. Yes, of yeah. course. So like I'm just, me with my holiday pals. We, we were friends. Now we're just connected. Yeah, you're just connected. No, I don't seem to be, but I am. I'm somehow connected to Dennis Lecter. I think I'm also connected. Oh no, he's a second level thingamajig. Right. One mutual connection. Me and Dennis both know Stuart McFarlane. So <laughs> there you go. Wow. In the weird world. But you know who else I'm connected with on LinkedIn? And I don't know how or why. Mm, go on. The Dead Snake. The Dead Snake? The Dead Snake. How, how has that occurred? I don't know. Just me and Louis Boamorte are connected on LinkedIn. That's. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, okay, have you got a, like a mutual friend with him? I something? don't. I don't know. Let me just have a look here. Luis Boamorte. Yeah, he's a first connection. He's under twenty three's head coach at Portimonense. Portimonense. Um, he was an Arsenal scout for a long time. He Luis was Boamorte. an Arsenal scout. Um, and who are some of our mutual connections? Oh, I don't know. Danny. 
Danny Carbassion, is he? I don't think I'm connected with Danny on LinkedIn. This is ridiculous anyway. We're getting It'll into be the like Alberto Mendez and Chris Ray. They'll yeah. be your mutual connections. There you go. So Paolo Vanazza. I've lost the train of uh, We're talking about... Here. So have I. Kieran Tierney is what we're talking about. Well, we were talking about, oh, agents and calling up agents. Carrasco is what we were talking about, actually. Mm. Um, but yeah, shit show. It sounds anyway. like a very messy, messy, sorry, either messy situation. It does a bit. It does a bit. Um, so, Kieran Tierney, after all this uh, talk of other people, an actual bid of £15 million for Kieran Tierney was um, revealed and then confirmed by David Ornstein, who said that Arsenal were still optimistic about getting a deal done. I saw a lot of people say £15 million is not a respectful amount of money to offer for uh, for Kieran Tierney in, in this market. What, what did you make of that, first and foremost? Because for me, it felt relatively... Uh, decent for an opening bid. It's not like you're going to go in and say, you want 25 million? Well, here's 30, just to make sure we get it done. You're going to start low. Everyone starts low, don't they? Of course. I mean, most of those noises, I think, were coming from the Celtic side, weren't they? You know, Mm. people who are either associated with the club or fans of the club uh, who are a bit irritated. But I think, didn't you lay out like some of the other fees that have been paid for players from Scottish football in the past? Yeah. Uh, and it's you know it's not disproportionate I think given that I think Van Dyke was about fourteen million wasn't he when he left Celtic yeah um, and the record is yeah he's the record is nineteen so I mean it wouldn't surprise me if if we do get Tierney if it ends up surpassing that uh, because you know he's a, a British player and uh, a very highly thought of one but this is the most concrete thing we know we've done. This summer, I mean, yeah. there's been a lot of names floating around. Tierney was actually one of them, but this is something we factually can, I think, know has happened. And it reports last night of a, a second bid, yeah. uh, which have been rejected as well, maybe about seventeen million. So. Right. Okay. Look, well, you know, it's it's a negotiation. That's what it seems like at this moment in time. It is a a negotiation. Uh, I got a, a an email from my. Uh, Celtic mate from back in the Ole Ole days, uh, Kevin oh, Graham, yeah. who said, hands off our left back. He's got every Chaz and Dave album and also the rare demos. So he's trying to, you know, suggest he's spoiled <laughs> goods in some way because he's uh, Tottenham's most famous crooners. Um, but he says he's a he's a cracking player. Um, and apparently, apparently, if we go to 22 million, we get to we get to speak to the player. And I think that's some kind of some kind of unconfirmed release clause. So, right. It's how, how we might structure that 22 million, though. There is the thing. It might not be 22 million straight away. It could be X plus, you know, add-ons plus appearances and, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, sell-on fees as well. So, you know, it feels like there is something concrete happening here. And he is a player that has been on the Arsenal radar for for quite a long time. We've spoken about him on this podcast before as one of the candidates for, for left-back. When we were looking for a young left-back a couple of seasons ago, he was mentioned, Ben Chilwell was mentioned at Leicester, even though he hadn't really started playing for Leicester yet. There was uh, the Swiss guy, Rodriguez, Ricardo Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. There were a few more doing the rounds that summer, so... We have been after, of course, we brought in Kalasinac. So, I mean, would would he be the kind of signing that would float your boat if it went through? 
Yeah, definitely. I think of, of all the names we've been linked with in all the various positions, I think this is one of the most intriguing prospects. I think, I don't know what it is, but maybe it's because he's he's British and he's going from British football, but it feels like the sort of signing I think of Manchester United making, you know, like picking off the cream of British talent. Um and I, I'm, I really am optimistic about it. I mean, you know, I think I've seen Tierney play a few times. He's always impressed me. He's young. He's only just 22. He adds to our homegrown contingent. Uh, he is an immediate upgrade in a position where we need it. I think there is a lot to be positive about, isn't there? Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, look, it's, it's one of the positions I think is key for this summer is left back. So if we've identified him and if we think he's the guy, you know, like you, I've seen him play uh, a good few times. Uh, I wouldn't have uh, the same knowledge of him as uh, Celtic fans or anything like that. But uh, they all think very, very highly of him. Some of the reaction that we've got online during the week uh, or since over the weekend, since the, since the story broke, some of the comments on Arsblog News, uh, a lot of Celtic fans who are like, uh, yeah, this guy's really good. Uh, some of them like, fuck off <laughs> don't take our player we want to keep him and that's always yeah. a sure sign that you've got a good player when when people don't want to sell him even if it could bring in you know a very big chunk of money for Celtic you know in that league 22 million pounds or whatever it might be could go a long way could really help them um you know replace Tierney but also uh, strengthen their squad and even with that there's a, a lot of pushback against selling him so that tells you something um and yeah, just in terms of the profile, 22 years of age, he's quick, he is far more, um, if we've spoken about how we want to have Hector Bellerin on the left-hand side, then he is far closer to that than any of the players that we've got at the moment. Um, and it might well shape the way that we're we're setting up and, and maybe by getting a proper proper left-back, and I'm not saying Monreal isn't a proper left-back, but he's a left-back very much in the in the September of, of his career. We're getting somebody in who could probably play wing-back if we need to, but as a default position, allows us to play with a left-back, which Kolasinac yeah. doesn't really, and, and I hope that this is the first piece we're putting in place to move towards a system which is based on a back four next season rather than a back three. Well, I think it is that, and I think that's really encouraging because ultimately Kalasinac, I think Kalasinac is in part why we ended up with the, the wing-back system because, you know, he was relatively effective going forward but not really great in a back four. Tierney's someone who's played in a back four for the vast majority of his career. Um, you know, I think he's a more natural defender than Kalasinac. I think he's significantly more agile. I think he's better able to cope with pace. So he brings a lot in that respect. Uh, and, and, yeah, I think he could get better and better. I mean, you know, he's run Andy Robertson quite close for a place in the Scotland team at left-back. He's still just 22. You know, he's yet to get into the prime of his career. I suppose the, the big caveat with him is his injury record. You know, and if, I've seen a few people talking yeah. about it. He has he has had a few problems. Um, he's had, uh, you know, he did his cruciate ligament. Well, that can happen. But he's had a couple of hip injuries, groin surgery. So... Missed plenty of games, uh, yeah. You know, uh, over the past couple of years, that's true. I did ask uh, Kevin uh, about the injury issue, right, um, and whether or not that's something that people should be worried about. And he said, "Not really. 
He's had two impact fractures and his hernia was caused by overplaying. He said, we didn't manage it well and made it worse. So that's good that he's coming to a club which never does that uh, when it comes to, to, to players. Uh, he was almost playing with one leg this season, and he said he's the kind of guy who will play even when he shouldn't, which is, you know, in some ways a testament to his character. In other ways, you know, you've got you've to be sensible and you've got to know your body and know when to push it and when not to push it. You know, even last year with the hip injuries and with the, uh, the problems that he had, he played 40 games, and I was looking at his... Um, uh, his season last season on transfer marked, and it started in mid July because mm. Celtic were involved in in European qualifying European games, games yeah. that early. So you know his season probably finished last whatever it was last May, and then kicked off again in five or six weeks. Um, so I think that highlights the importance of of players getting some rest, some proper rest during the summer. Um, and I think if we can get this one over the line, I think it'll be a, a really good signing for us. I also think it's it's really important for the the optics of Raul Sanyehi and this recruitment team and the club itself. Now that this thing has come out and it's playing out in public, and you imagine that it's Celtic that have made the the information public because you know it just adds to to their position of strength when it comes to negotiation. You know, they, they know that Arsenal are in need of players. They know we have a very demanding and informed and exercised fan base at this moment in time. And this is the first big deal that sort of played itself out publicly. And I really think that Sanyehi, I'm not saying he's under pressure to get it done, but if we don't get this done it will raise some serious question marks in the minds of people who um, will look at Sanyehi and the job that he's supposed to do, which is the guy to close the deals. That's part of why he was brought to the football club. He was the guy who at boardroom level could get these deals done. Sven, RIP Sven, um, but he was the guy who was going to identify the talent. And then when it came right down to it, when it came to uh, dotting the I's and crossing the T's, Raul Sanyehi was the guy who was going to make it happen. Um, and, and let's be fair, he did that last summer with the deals that we did. There was a, a, an element of efficiency to our transfer business last summer, wasn't there? So mm-hmm. this summer, though, is the first time that he is in full charge of football matters. He's the head of football. Um the first full uh, summer of, of KSE ownership. So, you know, it would look terrible at this point if we couldn't make this happen. I am inclined to agree with that. I think they need to get it done. And to be honest, let's say we do break the Scottish transfer record. Let's say we do go to 20 million. I would say that's still pretty good value for, you know, a, a young British mm. talent who is already an established international. I mean, you know, if he was playing in the Premier League, you'd probably be talking about double that. So I think this is somewhere where we can afford to get the player and we should get the player. Fortunately, we seem to be the only big club on the case at present. Um, mm. I hope it stays that way because I don't really fancy us if it, <laughs> if it becomes a battle. But yeah, I mean, now it's public, I think... It, it, it is important for appearances that they get it over the line. Adds a little bit of pressure, doesn't it? You know. Yeah, it does. And, and maybe that's not the worst thing in the world as mm. well. You know, at some point we've got to start sealing some of these deals. And uh, yeah. just to touch back on the injury thing, I mean, Arsenal have had 
experience in the past, haven't they, of having a young left-back who had plenty of injuries in Gail Clichy when he was very young and he came through those and began to play a lot more regularly like in his in his mid-twenties. So yeah. maybe, maybe Tierney can follow a similar path. I, I, as, also, without being sort of jingoistic about it, I do like the fact that this is a player who's who's experienced in British football and I, I, I don't know if there's anything in it, but I feel like whenever you look back at sort of successful Premier League teams, particularly in the defence, even even in last season, that there is a sort of British component. You think of Carl Walker, John Stones or, or Alexander-Arnold, Robertson, uh, Milner to an extent. I, I just feel like... It, it can be something that, I don't know, lends something. And I also feel like there's a longevity when you sign a British player. Maybe they're more likely to stick around. That's true. That's true. And apparently he's a really tenacious player, good in the tackle. Yeah. Uh, he's quick, obviously. And he has that kind of aggression that I think at times we've been we've been missing. You know, people look at Kolasinac, for example, and think big, strong, aggressive, physical player. But he's not really... He, d- he doesn't very often use his physical strength in... Mm. Uh, in an aggressive way, he does concede a lot of silly free kicks um, yeah. simply by pushing people over or, or what have you, or grappling and, and what have you. And the other thing to point out is that even if it does go to 20 million or 22 million, it's not like that leaves us with 18 million of our 40 million budget. You know, transfers don't work like that. It would be paid uh, maybe over the course of his contract or over a couple of seasons. So it's not as if we're going to pay them £22 million up front and then, you know, sit there with with just our £18 and wonder what we're going to do. On that, though, we would have a decision to make over Kolasinac or or Monreal. And I'm curious Mm -hmm. to get your thoughts on, on what way we should do it because if there is a financial consideration to this summer and I think there is uh, and we'll probably have some questions in the second half about outgoing business you know say Kalasinach when you think about the players in this squad who are sellable mm. he had a pretty decent season um, from an attacking point of view he made a, a good contribution there over the course of the season I don't think he's he's really impressed as a defender as much as we would have liked him to, but nor is he damaged goods in the same way that Mustafi is, for example. Mm -hmm. He is in the middle of a long-term contract. He's 26 years of age. We got him for free. So if we were looking to maybe push the boat out on Tierney, would you be comfortable with selling Kolasinac for a figure which would probably come close to offsetting what we pay for Tierney. Maybe not all of it, but a good chunk of it. And sticking with Monreal as as the backup for one more season, using the money to make Tierney a sort of, not a cost-free signing, but um, certainly one that's less expensive uh, if you can immediately get back most of what you paid for him by selling someone else. And then in that 12 months where you've got Monreal, uh, under, not understudying, but playing back up to Tierney, you've got another 12 months to find yourself a left-back who can come in and, and freshen things up from a youthful point of view. How would you view that? I think, I think I'd be on board with that. It's, um, I, I think what gives me a slight pause for thought is the fact that you know, Tierney has got that injury record and how much football would you be asking Monreal to potentially play? And also the fact that... 
you know, despite all the young players we have coming through, one of the reasons I like the Tierney signing is that we there's not necessarily an obvious left back yeah. who seems to be emerging. I mean, I know Zach Medley's played there, but I think he's viewed more as a centre half. Uh, I know Saka's played there. I think he's viewed more as a winger. There is a guy, a Spanish guy, who I think we brought in from Barcelona, but he's a, a long way off yet. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, mm. but he's like I think still like seventeen or so. So, um, you know, it's not an area where we've got like players pushing to come up through from the academy uh i think on balance i would probably take the money for kolasinac if it's on offer i mean ultimately we're signing tierney because we don't really think kolasinac is good enough aren't we Mm. um and so if someone offers you 20 million or so for him i think you take it and you see that as profit on a player who you essentially signed for free Mm. i think also the fact we signed him for free means he's probably on a salary that we can't really be affording to pay someone who's not going to be a first team player. Mm. He's probably on a pretty healthy wage. Um, and if we could get shot of that, it could be beneficial. So, yeah, I think given that Montreal has that extra year, I'd probably just keep him, let him see that out and maybe let Kalasinac go and, yeah. and see that as sort of a, a natural turnover in our, in our finances. Yeah. Is that what you think? That would be my preference if we could do it like that. You know, if we could, if we could get the money for Kalasinac, um, I would, I would be inclined to go that way because what it means is that you filled one of your key positions during the summer for minimal cost. You know, um, yeah. and it leaves us with a bit more money to play around with because, you know, let's not forget we really, really need an experienced central defender, at least one experienced central defender, and those are not cheap. Uh, they're hard to come by, and I think they will be expensive. Um, so, if we could get that money for Kalasinac, you know, I, I don't think Monreal has got much more left in him, but if he's not playing three times a week and, you know, you can minimize his schedule, then I think you could get him through uh, another season, and I think he's experienced enough to to cope you know, um, yeah. I mean, the counter argument, particularly, would be, particularly if oh, we're going to play with a with a back four. Yes, I think he's better suited to he's that. Better suited to a back four thinking. than Kalasinac. The counter argument would be: look, you could probably sell Kalasinac for something next summer if you want to. This is your last mm. chance to get anything for Montreal. You know, ring whatever whatever it is, a couple of million euros, if that. Yeah. Out of it. For, I, yeah. I, yeah, I mean, there, there is that way of looking at it, but I kind of think, given that the return would be so low on Montreal, I almost, I almost don't see the point. You know, I almost think if you, if you, what you're looking for is a backup left back, he's probably, he's probably good enough. Yeah, for that. It's, it's sort of like people are saying, should we sell Koscielny if we get the right offer? But you know, at 33, nearly 34 years of age, you know, how much are you going to get from him? Are you just better holding on to him for one more year? I think yeah, it probably. Are. It's like it, it, it's in the same way that you're better off to sell Mustafi for obvious reasons than Koscielny. Uh, You know, you're better off to sell Kalasnach than Monreal. I think. I mean, I know there's the argument that fullbacks are a very demanding role and you need to rotate a lot there, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, who's Liverpool's backup left back? I don't even really know. Which I think Moreno tells you Moreno, and they've let him go, haven't they? So yeah. 
We could always sign Moreno and sell them both. No, please, 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 please. Um, Okay, well, that's the tyranny thing. I think this, you know, is obviously going to be a big story that will run throughout the week. So, you know, we'll keep an eye on that. Anything else catch your eye over the weekend? Have you seen these stories about Lucas Torreira in the Italian media? Yeah. Yeah. Ivan Gazidis returns. Did you see the uh, offer? There's some suggestion of like a two-year loan deal plus a yeah, 30 me- million. I mean, here's here's what I think of that. I think... Let's just say what it was. Two-year loan deal mm. is a reported bid uh, for a maximum fee of 8 million euros with an obligation to buy at the end of it for 38 million euros. Right. Um... Okay, my first thought is that Ivan Gazidis can go fuck himself. Mm. That's my first thought. Sure. My second thought is that Torreira is the kind of player we need to keep. Um, You know, he had a, a pretty decent first season in England and he's still only 23 years of age and, you know, midfield is is a bit of a bit of an issue for us. So, I don't see any upside in in selling him. My third thought on this Mm. is that when you see a bid like that go in, you wonder what kind of encouragement that club feels they have via the player's agent. That was my third thought. And my fourth thought was that Ivan Gazidis can go fuck himself again. I did wonder if that might recur. I uh, Yes, I have the same concerns. Maybe it's just because, you know, we've got this South American guy, he's played in Italy before, suddenly he's been linked with moves back to Italy. It does feel a bit convenient, as if maybe he hasn't settled particularly well. Also, um, let's not um, overlook the fact that the guy who's just taken over as manager of Milan, uh, Marco Giampolo, was the manager of Sampdoria when Torreira was there. So that's another layer to this thing. Right, yes, that is another layer to to consider. Um, I mean, I don't want to sell Torreira either. I think he's the right kind of age profile. He's a player with real promise. I don't think it represents such a huge... um, uh, profit on what we paid for him that it's almost, mm. that it's worth flipping him. You know, if someone came in and said we'll give you fifty million pounds tomorrow, you'd go, okay, well, at least we've kind of doubled, you know, our, money. doubled our money. Yeah, but I mean, thirty-eight million euros. Well, I mean, it's sixteen. Think about it. It's it's sixteen plus thirty-eight, so that's whatever that is. Well, I think it's eight million for for the two years. But it would be, would be the, oh really. I think so. So it'd be like 45 Well, you know what? Maybe it's not. You know, it could be a bit more. Maybe, Maybe. because I know that um, Inter, when we were after Perisic, um, were looking for something in the region of six or seven million pounds as a loan fee, or six or seven million euros as a loan fee. The loan fees for players are, are, are going through... Are going through the roof. Okay, so even if it was just eight million, it'd be um, forty-six million. You know, not good enough uh, at this moment in time to make you put a hole in your midfield the way that that would put a hole in our midfield. Yeah, I mean, you're right. If somebody came in and said, "Here's fifty million pounds, sixty million pounds," then you've got something to think about. But a two-year loan deal, fuck off. Yeah, and also bear in mind we don't get most of that cash until the end of that, so that might affect what we're able to spend in the immediate term replacing mm. him. 
you know, I think that's problematic. I, I also think that our midfield, you know, we hope to ever sort of fix all our problems in centre midfield, and he hasn't done that. But I think in him and Gendouzi, we have two promising players. Uh, you know, Joe Willock's another promising player. You know, it's an area where we need to solve problems and we need to make something work. But I think like Torreira is one of the components that you would want to be part of that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I I share your concerns that maybe maybe the players' camp has something to do with this because it is such an unusual offer that you almost feel you'd only make it if the, the selling club were under some pressure to accept. Um, yeah. So I think it's one to watch. I think it's one to watch. Yeah, I don't think it's it's quite as cut and dried as people might like to think. Um, whether Torreira has settled in England or not, you know, remains, remains to be seen. Um, but certainly, unless the offer was so good you couldn't turn it down you know like you say you're just creating another problem for yourself in in central midfield mm. um un- yeah, you know so- unless you know you, the offer was good enough and you immediate, immediately knew who you were going to bring in who you were going to go after and you were confident that you could get him but yeah we'll we'll see we'll see yeah i i wouldn't i wouldn't be in a hurry to sell Torreira. no anything else I'm just trying to think. Really. Oh, I mean, Christian Bielik is out of the under twenty one championships. Yes, that's mad, defeats. isn't it? They beat uh, Italy, and they beat who else did they beat? Belgium, mm. and then they lost to Spain five nil, and still managed to get eliminated from the from the competition. And England are basically out as well, aren't they? Yeah, I've seen a lot of criticism for uh, Aidy Bothroyd, the the coach there. I mean, I'm not sure if I'm just seeing that because it's from Arsenal fans and he's not playing Reese Nelson. But I do think that it's he's not a particularly progressive coach and the style of play hasn't been good. No, really particularly. And, you know, there's some really, really good players in that England under-21 squad. You know, as yeah. good a crop of young players as I can remember seeing in that squad for a while. And... Uh, it would be fair to say he's he's underachieved with them. Reese Nelson didn't really get to play much, did he? So, do mm. they have a consolation? Do they have a cons- consolation match that he uh, might be involved I'm, in? I'm not sure. Not sure. About it. I haven't seen much of the under twenty ones. There's actually, considering it's June the twenty fourth today, there's a weird amount of football on at the moment, isn't there? Because you've got the Copa America, non-stop, non-stop. Uh, the African Cup of Nations. I watched a bit of that. I saw uh, Alex Awobi playing for Nigeria. Um, had quite a tricky start to the game, but did better in the second half. They switched him from left wing to sort of a number ten attacking mm. central midfield role, and it did make me think. You know, he, he didn't set the world light, but I thought he was a lot better in that position. And I, 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 I'm quite surprised that Emery never really gave him a go there. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm curious. I think all the wide forwards that we've been linked with um, and some of the young players that we've got coming through, you know, Reese Nelson, Saka, Amici, wide forwards. We don't quite know where this young Brazilian guy is going to play, Martinelli, whether he's going to be a third striker or he's a, a wide player yet. Seems like a, a wide player maybe, yeah. Yeah, so I wonder if the options we have there might see a repurposing of Alex Iwobi next mm. season, particularly if the Ozil saga continues um, without yeah. any resolution. If we go into the, the season with with the coach and the star player still sort of at odds with each other, I wonder if we might see Iwobi move 
more centrally, and I, I genuinely think it, it would suit him better than being a wide yeah. player. Well, I think we could do with someone in those central areas who can be a ball carrier, who can do some pressing, who has physical presence. I mean, I know there are question marks over certainly his, his final ball and his, his shooting ability, but I think, yeah, I, I would be intrigued. And it surprises me, given sort of his physical profile, that Emery never gave it a go, say in the diamond or, or something like it. And I mm. think maybe we will see it. We will see it next season. Yeah. Uh, England play Croatia. Uh, tonight at nine o'clock in their right. final game, and yeah, they're they're out. And France play Romania, and Matteo Genduzzi could could play for France. Um, interesting that the Jeff has been playing in midfield for the the French under twenty ones, doing very well. Yeah. Yeah, I wanted to ask you what you make of this, actually, because I know we talked about it on here about how, you know, we sold uh, Jeff for, I think, about a million and a half, something like that. Is that all? Um, Something like that. I'm not sure exactly, to be honest. I'm as sure as, you know, anybody is. But uh, And now he's being linked with a big money move, and obviously the club is taking some criticism for that. But it's a tricky one, isn't it? Because didn't he sort of have to make that move to become that, player do you know what i mean yeah, yeah, it's like yeah, yeah. yeah you know he was never worth 20 million on our books because he wasn't he wasn't playing really doing anything well this yeah. is this comes back to the to the exposure discussion that we've had yeah that even if your young players don't make it if they get more exposure in your first team they become more valuable why did mm. jeff not play well because he was fucking injured most of the time that was yeah, the reality of his time at Arsenal. He had a long time out with injury. And, uh, you know, he looked a very skillful player in his Instagram uh, stories when he'd play with a tennis ball in, inside his flat. But you don't really um, affect your market value by doing flicks and tricks with a tennis ball up and down the corridor. You need mm-hmm. to be on the pitch. And he never got a chance to, to get on the pitch or had very few chances because of his, his injury record. Maybe... You could say we could have loaned him for a year. And uh, I know he did go out on loan, didn't he? The second half of the season before he left, he did go out on loan. Um, You assume the decision to sell him was taken not by Unai Emery, who mustn't have known very much about him when he arrived. I think he went fairly quickly uh, last summer. So somebody else made that decision whether it was Sven or Raul or whoever it was, based on the information that they had of him. And he's doing much better. I assume there's a sell-on clause in the contract that we'll see us earn a few quid if he goes You'd for a big money. So. Yeah, there has to be. There has to uh, be. I wonder when we let him go as well. I'd have to look back at the timing of it all, but it felt like at that point maybe we were pretty confident we were going to be getting a guy called Yassin Adley from PSG who was thought of as a, an outstanding you know, prospect and someone Emery had worked with. And I do wonder if maybe there was a bit of confluence about those two things, um, that we were upgrading a sort of injury-prone player for another hot young French thing, but yeah. it didn't uh, ultimately come to pass. He stayed in Paris. But yeah, anyway, I think that's I think that's why cases like the Jeff is why I'm a real proponent of, I know you know, you talk about the Europa League group stages, I'm also a real proponent of the, the loan market because, you know, let's say that he was on loan pulling out these poor performances for his team now he'd be our asset and our saleable asset and yeah. we'd make a lot of money so there are smarter ways to do it than the way we've done it up till now that's yeah. what we can definitely for continue. sure it was July 26th when he left so I think right. at that point we had signed Ginduzi. Yeah. so I think Ginduzi was the 
whether he was the alternative to, to Yassin Adli, I don't know, or whether we were after him the whole summer, I'm not quite sure. But yeah, mm. we, we, we have issues and have had issues with how and when we sell certain players. I don't really have a huge problem with what happened with the Jeff because... Um, you know, he just he just never played enough for his value to be any any higher. Um, and if we have a yeah. sell-on clause, then then great. Uh, Still, good to see Serge Gnabry uh, voted Bayern Munich Player of the Season. That's always a nice, uh, always a nice thing to see. <laughs> that yeah. was that was that. That's not that is that's that's bad. It's bad, isn't it's it? So it's bad. bad. It's yeah. so bad. And I know, you know, he was injured and I know he had his bad loan spell and I know that, you know, we could have offered him a, de- a deal before we did after he went to the Olympics and was good. And uh, But we made a bollocks of that one. There's no two ways about it. We made a bollocks of it. We got played like a fiddle by Bayern Munich because he went to, where did he go to first? Werder Bremen? Yeah, but I mean, you know, there were whispers of Bayern's involvement in that right from the yeah, start. Yeah, it was it? like, here, Werder Bremen, have some money to buy Serge Gnabry from Arsenal, and we'll just take him off you next season for you know more or less the same price, which is mm. you know is crazy. It is crazy. Um, but there you go. No more of that. That's what we're saying. Let's do better. Listen. You lose some, you lose lose some, some. you know? (laughs) All right. Look, we're going to take a break here. We're going to come back in part two and we'll, what will we do? Oh, we answer questions. We normally do questions. Yeah. Let's do that then because uh, clearly my brain's not working. So let's see what other people have got on their minds and we'll answer the questions in part two right after this. One gift that never gets returned? Trick question. It's three gifts, beer, wine, and spirits. And with Drizzly, you can send the gift of drinks right to your loved one's doors. Drizzly lets you compare prices from local liquor stores on a huge selection of beer, wine, and holiday spirits, then get them delivered right to that lucky someone's door in under 60 minutes. And right now, Drizzly is giving customers $5 off their first order. Just enter promo code JINGLE at checkout. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com. This holiday season, treat yourself. Treat yourself to candy. Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back to the Arscast Extra. This is part two of the show where we answer questions that you sent to us on Twitter at Gunnerblog and at Arsblog. Also on the Arsblog Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash the Arsblog. And on the Arsblog Patreon member Discord server, which you get access to if you are an Arsblog member on Patreon. If you want something else to listen to, you can go back and there's a brand new, well, relatively brand new uh, in the last couple of days. James and I did an Ask Us Anything podcast the other day where we answered 97 questions in 97 minutes which is good going um mm-hmm. about all kinds of things football dogs food 
music, I can't remember, films, books, all kinds of stuff. So if you want to have a listen to that and get instant access to all the extra content that we have on uh, Patreon, as well as supporting everything we do here, sign up right now, patreon.com forward slash arseblog. It costs just a fiver a month. Um, And next month, you'll be able to get lots of uh, more stuff on there. There's going to be a U.S. tour diary because I'm going away on the U.S. Uh, tour uh, to follow this um, this strange, weird club that we support uh, across the United States as they do their preseason preparations. In Los Angeles, there is going to be a live podcast. Um, I'm going to be there, obviously. Uh, Elliot from the Arsenal Vision podcast is going to be there, and we're looking to uh, rope in another couple of guests. We're going to have a panel discussion. We'll have some Q&A from the audience. If you'd like to come along, you are more than welcome. Check out arsenalinla.com. They can get info, and you can find out the link to buy tickets there. I think the tickets are $10, something like that. And uh, it'll be good to see everyone and just hang out and have a couple of beers afterwards as well. So uh, that should be a fun event on top of all the other uh, cool stuff that the guys in LA and uh, you know I know the guys in Charlotte and DC are, are planning events uh, around the the tour as well so Arsenal in LA if you fancy coming along to that podcast um we'll do some questions this one caught my eye from <laughs> from Facebook uh, it's not really a question it comes from Ronnie Wabwire Wabwire yeah and he says Creonky out yeah, well, I think that's a sentiment we can all get on board with. Creonky out. <laughs> we must get Creonky out, ASAP. Uh, what was that during the week? Did you, did you notice that, that Creonky out was just trending on Twitter, sort of apropos of nothing special? Yeah, I mean, it did seem to do the rounds. I don't know, did it trend worldwide or just in the UK or...? Maybe just in the UK, I'm not mm. sure. It was definitely, it popped up on my trends. I mean, look, uh, I think we're, we're probably all cronky out. Uh, it's just but, the absence of an alternative. Yeah, but what makes, in? Well, that's it. I'm not saying cronky shouldn't be out, but I do wonder if... The Arsblog Patreon consortium in. Yeah, let's do a GoFundMe and we can <laughs> we can sort this club out. I mean, that is the big question, isn't it? That if Cronky yeah. goes out, who comes in, and are they going to be any better? You know, do do are we in an era of football ownership where nobody's any good? Like they're all fuckers in some way or another. I'm not saying again, just to clarify, I'm not saying that shouldn't mean Cronky out. I, I you know, I just. This idea that we might somehow be run no, by somebody yeah. who truly cares about Arsenal. I'm not sure that's true anymore. Who can afford to buy Arsenal? Who could? Well, knowing our luck, we would get someone worse. That is that is the thing. Um, but yeah, look, I mean, I would love an alternative to Kronke. Save us, Flamini, save us. Flamini is the one we're all pinning our hope. The Flamini and Arsene you know, joint takeover. But what happens if Flamini's, you know, company that's going to save the world with its, it turns out to be like some weird pyramid scheme that's worth nothing in the end. True. True. Not saying, I'm not saying the Flamster's a grifter or anything like that, but who knows? And if Flamini takes over, he's probably going to give Ursula a pay rise. Do you know what I mean? They're best mates. (laughs) You've got to think about these things. £750,000 yeah. a week, Captain Mesut Ozil, in his 39th year, playing three times a season for Arsenal. It could happen. Hey, if it's Flamini's money, he could do what he wants. That's true. He's an Arsenal man. 
unless until he leaves us on free transfers <laughs> for a, for AC Milan yeah. and then back to Marseille. He was Arsenal through and through until his contract was up and then he left promptly. Um, (laughs) Let's have a question. This is from Patrao Edu, who's at Figgy Guna. And they ask, we are playing quite a few big teams in the pre-season, Barcelona, of course. How much of an impact do you feel the results will have on the fans, considering that a lot of fans are already jittery about no signings? Do, I mean, do you mean in that, like, what happens if we take a pasting from Barcelona? Yeah, I suppose, the... you know, it's not like the old days when we used to go out to Austria and beat a bunch of teams 6-7-0. We're playing some big sides that we might well lose to. And do you think that will affect, I don't know, the atmosphere, uh, you know, heading into the new season? I suppose it depends how much you read into pre-season and the, the importance of results. Um if you look at preseason as a way of preparing your team organizationally and tactically for a new season, there's probably some logic in playing teams which are good and thus can expose some of the problems you might have implementing that tactical strategy or formation, right? Because if you say, let's play let's just say let's play 4-3-3 and you go out and you play Bournemouth or you play Burton Albion or you play some lower division team and you spank them 5 or 6 nil. it looks like yes we've got it nailed but when you play against better teams who can help you identify issues with the way you're set up or certain players suitability for certain positions Maybe that's what you need to do. The other thing I point out is that I'm not sure um, that that these games against Roma, against Bayern Munich, it's not Roma anymore, is it? It's Fiorentina, I think. Uh, And Real Madrid, Bayern Munich and and Fiorentina in the International Champions Cup. So we're not picking those because they're part of this tournament, you know? So it's not a case that we're saying we will play these big teams because that's good for us. I suppose the only game which we've agreed to and decided to play in is that Barcelona game. You know, the the Juan Gamper preseason traditional game at the new Camp. Whether that was something to do with Dennis Dennis Suarez, maybe it's a sort of apology from Barcelona. (laughs) (laughs) I, I don't know. So, yeah, look, I get it. I get, like, you know, if you go into your your first game of the season and you've been battered 5-1 by Barcelona, it might not be seen as a good thing. But if it helps you identify problems with your 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 tactical setup and, and helps you fix them, then maybe it is. Yeah, it's going to be weird, that sort of Denis Suarez testimonial. He's going to play half for each team. Um, not a half, maybe like two minutes for each Two team. minutes, that's, that's, all, he, that's all he's capable of because uh, he's still not fit. Uh, but he, I think in response to the question, people probably will freak out about pre-season results, but I'm not necessarily sure that they'll be right to, you know? Yeah. I think you have to be, you know, you have to take the positives and you can see that there might be negatives, but I also think you have to compartmentalise it into preseason simple as that it's pre you know let's not freak out until you know 
the actual games that matter take place? Because there's too much freaking out already. There's a lot of freaking out going on. Uh, your question. My question. Okay, here is one from Damien Clarkson, who's at Damien Clarkson. He says, do you feel like we should be clearing out players quicker to free up funds for deals? Or does the conservative approach of spending only what we have in hand speak to the lack of internal confidence at getting deals done? I think, of course, I would love us to sell the players we want to sell swiftly. I think that's not easy to do. Uh, and I actually think when, when it's sort of publicly known that a club probably wants to get rid of a player... And maybe that player's not particularly desperate to go. I think that's something that's likely to sort of drag on right towards the end mm. of the window. It just feels like that's the nature of it. Uh, and that I feel like most of our incoming business will be done before we can shed some of the deadwood. Uh, I think, and that feels sort of like natural that it, that it would normally happen in that way as well. Mm. Um, so, yeah, of course, I'd love someone to come in and say, Here's 15 million for El Nenny. Here's another 15 million for Mustafi. <laughs> you know, I'd, I'd love those things to happen, but I don't. I don't think it will until later in the window. I just don't. Um, I don't necessarily see sort of the impetus behind those deals being there right now. Yeah, if uh, if, if other clubs are looking for value in the market, hanging on until we're desperate to sell means that they might get a better price. Is that not the reality yeah. of where we are with some of our players? Because the ones that we would like to sell are not necessarily that easy to shift simply because we want to sell them. Why do we want to sell them? Because they've underperformed or because they're not quite good enough or because in some ways they're, they're damaged goods at Arsenal level anyway. So we have to be um, cognizant of that. You know, it would be great if we could go out and sell the ones that we don't want straight away and then pile that money back in and do the incoming business. But, you know, other clubs are going to look at it and say, well, let's wait until the last week and see what Arsenal will take. Because what we might be looking for now and what we would accept with four or five days to go or even four or five hours to go before the transfer window closes, I'm sure are two very different things. Yeah, and also it's the incoming business that in part determines the future of those players. You know, it's the prospect of signing Kiarantini that will force one of Kalasinac and Monreal to go, well, I, I, I probably need to leave this place. And it will be the same for everybody else. When we, If and when we sign a centre-half, that might be what gives Mustafi sort of the push he needs, you know, mm. to, to say, well, I want to play, so I'm going to go. <clears throat> so I think that, you know, everything's sort of reliant on on both ends, but it does feel like we might do our incoming business first before we see who we can get rid of and for what price. Right. Okay. Uh, what about this? This is from Magnus Holmberg on Twitter. Would you take Danny Alves as a stopgap solution for Bellerin cover? There's a question. How old is Danny Alves now? Let's have a look. He's just announced he's leaving PSG, hasn't he? Um, so he's available on a free transfer. He is 36. Ooh. <laughs> um, he thought Licksteiner was old. But um, Alves is no Licksteiner. No. No. I do, you know, just the idea of signing a 36-year-old makes me anxious because, you know, have we learned nothing from what we did last uh, last season uh, with Licksteiner. So, 
Um, would I? He's still, he's still playing and captaining Brazil in the Copa America. He is a remarkable so player. Left in the tank. He's an amazing yeah. player. But whether he's got he's enough... He's worked with Emery before, I think. He must have done at PSG, did he? Uh, well, I was thinking at Sevilla, actually. But yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. PSG as well. Was he there when Emery was at... No, he was well gone from Sevilla when Emery was there, surely. Was he? Well, I think so. Oh, let's look at Danny Alves' career. It's the only solution. I think now. so. I think he was um, gone at that point because he's been he'd been at I Barcelona. He, then he was at Juventus. You're right. Barcelona, he joined in 2008, uh, where I think Emery was not. No, Emery yet, was probably still at... Um, was it Valencia or maybe he was even... Uh, he was at uh, Valencia at that time, yeah. Right. Four years at Valencia. Would I, would I, would I? I mean... In the absence of anything better, like, fuck it. Emery hasn't worked with him before because no. he was at Juve for a year. Is that a good thing Emery. or a bad thing? That good or bad? 2016, am I right about this? Hang on, sorry. Uh, oh, no, he has. He's done his season with him. Okay. The lucky man. The Emery's season, last season at PSG. The season in which they didn't win the title and then Alves left. Right. Uh, Alves didn't leave. Though. Oh, he didn't leave. No, when he came from. Yeah, he stayed. Ah, okay. Oh, Sorry, so the season they really did win the title. This. So he did yes. win the title under Emery. Yes. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Sorry to uh, steal your shtick here, but I just don't know. <laughs> Would you? It's a tricky one, isn't it? I, I mean. The thought of seeing Danny Alves in an Arsenal shirt is intriguing. I would, you know, what are our other options? Right back with Mounier. Mounier. Mounier seems crazy to me. Me too. Seems a lot of money for a player who's not going to be first choice. We've got what have we got in the squad? Maitland Niles. We've got yeah. in the squad. And there's That's sort of it realistically. I'll say two two. Add. Academy level, who a lot of people speak very highly of, but who doesn't seem to have impressed Emery. No, I mean, you know, signing a stopgap like Danny Alves and then sending Osso Tutu on loan would work. I mean, I'm just wary because this is what we did last season with a stopgap, uh, an yeah, experience. Like stop Alves gap. could be, I mean, he's a, he could be really fun. He could be really fun. He'd be more fun than Licksteiner. That's to sure. be fair, Licksteiner is like a crossword. And right. Danny Alves is a PlayStation 4. Sure. In terms of entertainment value. Sure. That's where I go with that. I think Licksteiner might be worse than that. He might be a word search. Sudoku or Sudoku or... Something like that. Some sort of maths-related puzzle. Um, I, I mean, in the course of this conversation, I've decided that I would probably quite enjoy it I'm not saying it's sensible don't get me wrong okay uh, but you know gotta do something haven't we? we do we do need something at right we back. do we definitely do we do need something Danny Alves let it not be said he is something so he is a thing so in he's quite something ticks all the boxes it's only one box but it's is ticked. it a thing it's yes. ticked 
Would I rather bring in Danny Alves for a year than spend twenty five million pounds on Mooney? Eh? Probably. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I probably would. Uh, would Danny Alves join Arsenal? That's your question. That is your question. He's played for some big clubs, hasn't he? His yeah. last three clubs: Barcelona, Juve, PSG, Champions League clubs. Mm. That could be the thing. Who knows? Who knows? Anyway, here's a question from Clive at Clive PAFC. He says, as everyone does a list of signings we want, how about a list of players we're linked with we don't want as they epitomize the mistakes of the past? How about three from each of you? Jeez, very demanding. Three. Clive. Well, let's start with Thomas Mounier. Uh, it doesn't really appeal to me, I have to say. Yeah. Uh, quite an uninspiring signing and look I, I've been wrong many times but just on paper I don't like the look of it yeah no I, I would agree you you have been wrong uh, many many <laughs> times <laughs> who would I I have to say um, Ryan Fraser not because he epitomises a mistake of the past just because I don't particularly think he's that good that would be that one fair enough I'm trying to think who else I mean there's nobody of the have we been linked with anyone around 29, 30 years of age? There was one over the weekend, if I'm right. I mean, I did see a story at one point saying Arsenal could revive their interest in Perisic, and that that was a, a big no for me. Yeah. With him being 30. That wouldn't be great. That wouldn't be great. Um, uh, who else is there? Um, oh, there's um, there was some suggestion that we might uh, sell Hector Bellerin to Atletico Madrid, which oh, is absurd. Would, and, and they would send us someone in exchange. Yeah, Vitolo. Yeah. An attacking, 29-year-old attacking midfield player who the only reason you'd sign him is to make Mkhitaryan look good. <laughs> um... There must be more. I'm just trying to think. You know, in fairness, a lot of the links that we've had this summer have been with young players because everyone realises, A, we're not going to go out and spend money on a Sanchez or an Ozil or, you know, we talk about them as if we didn't sign them when they were absolutely in their primes. We did, you know. Uh, But Mkhitaryan, a 29-year-old, Aubameyang, a 29-year-old, when he came in, not to be uh, critical of him or anything like that, but just in terms of those kind of signings, we're not making a 50, 60 million pound signing on a 28, 29-year-old, 30-year-old player. We're just not going to do that. So we don't really have players on the list who are who are sort of epitomizing the mistakes of of the past they're all not all but for the most part young players with potential who could grow etc etc so i don't see too many absurd links to players this summer oh we were linked with um kim pembe at psg and i'm a bit unsure about him i have to say you know, Arsene Wenger was speaking about him in the build-up to the Manchester United game and sort of essentially calling him a defender with mistakes in him. And given some of his indulgences of other defenders, yeah. it worries me that he thinks that of Kimpembe. Well, look, if there's one thing Arsene Wenger knows about, it yeah. is dodgy defenders, because he signed a good few in his day. Um, yeah, Kimpembe, I'm not, I'm not sure about that. But yeah, beyond that, I can't really think of, I can't really think of anyone that I uh, don't oh, want. Uh, uh, Go on. I'm not massively keen on um, 
what's his face, the former Lyon guy at Barcelona, French centre half. Um, you know, we were linked with a like forty million bid. Were it? Yeah. What's his name? Uh, Lacazette's mate. John Everyone's shouting it at home. Umtiti. Samuel Umtiti. Oh yes, of course. Uh, I just think he's got those Danny Welbeck knees. He's got cartilage problems in his knees. Does he? Think, yeah. Yeah. Okay. That, that that's a real concern. I think in the Premier League, high impact game. Um, and also another thing I'll say. You know, a player who we were linked with that everyone sort of freaked out when he said, "I'm gonna, I'd like to join." Was it Borussia Mönchengladbach? Yeah. Alexis Claude Maurice. Yeah. I'm pretty chilled out about that. Like. You know, it's one of those where sort of we sort of we're only going on reports, you know, that we were ever interested at all, really. Yeah. And it's in an area where we've got some really exciting young talent already on the books. I'm thinking of, you know, Reese Nelson, Saka, Amici, Smith Rowe, all those names we already know. So not getting him, I'm pretty relaxed about that. Yeah, too. same. Same. You know, if we're going to start freaking out over a uh, a young lad from Ligue 2 that we hadn't heard of until two or three weeks ago. You know, step back a bit and just just chill out. That's what I reckon. Bit more chilling. Um, I, I'm just hang I've on. Got I'm ask, just moving my on. chair back and I'm just chilling out here, shifting oh, the nice. microphone so I can chill the fuck out. <laughs> uh, this question uh, I've got to ask because I th- I feel like I can hear them in the background. Mark Vam says, "What's black and white and red all over? <gasps> a magpie in an Arsenal shirt." Wow. Uh, <laughs> There are the birds are very noisy outside your window today. It's is that my window? One, yeah, I think it is. Well, there's right. no birds anywhere around here, as far as I can see. Where are you, the uh, tundra? Yeah, basically, I'm I'm in prison. <laughs> I'm podcasting from prison now. Um, that's why the real reason I couldn't go on holiday. Mm. Uh, so I thought I'd just quickly squeeze in this week's magpie fact. Oh, please right. do. Yes. Um, you know, I told you about how uh, magpies. Uh, the, the, they've massively increased numbers yeah. in Britain. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, the, the population has quadrupled in the last 35 years, which seems absurd. The reason for the magpie's booming population right. is said to be, according to scientists, the amount of carrion from roadkill that is available today, which provides them with a year-round food source. Wow. So all the... Foxes and shit that are getting smashed on motorways. I saw a dead Badges. fox the other day driving up to uh, the park, take the dog for a walk, and there, yeah. lying in the middle of the road, was old foxy. Felt so. I always feel really sorry for foxes when they get run over. They just have this look in their eye. It's you know, dead. I yeah. Well, they are. Yeah. I mean, I drove to Devon and back recently, and the amount of dead badgers I saw, it was incredible. It was like someone who. It's like someone had walked to Devon and thought, how will I find the way back? And they thought, I know, I'll leave a trail of mutilated badgers. Wow. So badgers. I could find my way back. Yeah. Wow. I, I don't, felt bad for them. Yeah, I don't see too many dead badgers. You occasionally get rats, but foxes are the, the main thing that I would see, certainly in the city, because there's a lot of, a lot of foxes um, around where I live. Um, which freak the dogs out, of course. Sure. Sometimes you see a fox running across the back wall and they go fucking mental, uh, of course. But I saw a dead pigeon the other day. Um, well, the magpies are eating them. 
The magpies are eating all these things, and that's why they're so numerous. Vicious meat-eating magpie bastards. I better just do a blast of the jingle to close this section, shall I? Yeah? Yeah? Yeah, go for it. Magpies! <laughs> living in the garden, building a lair out of steel and hate. Magpies! <laughs> Don't look directly at them! You'll turn to stone and they'll shit on your statue. <laughs> Magpies! <laughs> Behold his mighty beak! His feathers are as black as his heart and his shoes. Magpies! Magpie facts! You've taken it to an- another level. There we go. Do you know what the worst thing about all this... <laughs> Do you know what the worst thing about all this, Magpie? What is the worst thing? The worst thing, James, is that I'm very susceptible to... When I hear a song or if I hear someone else singing a song, I... I go around singing that song or I'll just start singing it out loud. Mm. And I'm, I, I've, I've a real propensity towards earworms. Oh no. And I have over the last week been singing the magpie facts jingle in my head over and over to the point where I'm going, Oh my God, what's going on here? I'm so sorry about that. It's you okay. need the magpie to eat the worms out of your ears. Okay. I have to say, by the way, Commiserations to Henrik Killerforce, who tweeted me a quite traumatic story. We might cut this out. I don't know. Okay. His tweet said, I just, dear Gunnerblog, I just killed a magpie while thinking of the magpie jingle. He said, two magpies have been fighting all day in my garden. And this guy obviously lost, found him unable to walk or fly with a big wound in his back. So the magpie fact is they're mean fuckers, brutal and mean, and I I had to take mercy on him. How did he did he do it with his mind or with a uh, shovel? I mean, he did say how he did it, and it is quite alarming. He said I gave him thirty minutes to recover, but he didn't. So I understood that I had to set him free, send him to magpie heaven. Um, I put him in a plastic bag <gasps> and smacked it against a rock. <laughs> Magpies! Magpies in your garden! Put them in a bag and smash up Put their wings. Back. Smash them in a rock. I mean, wow. Oh, my goodness. This is... Um, I think uh, Henrik did the right thing. Uh, but he said he was thinking of the jingle the whole time. I guess a sort of sad version of it. Magpies. Magpies die. up in heaven. <laughs> Oh, God, okay. Uh, I think we should move on. Let's move on. Let's move on a pace. Here's a question from Facebook, um, from Toye Ade, I think it is. And he said, morning, gents. I asked you this last week, but you missed me. Uh, Yeah, just because you're on Facebook. Really? No, I'm joking. But he said, what's your (laughs) top three non-Arsenal goals? I should warn you, I can only think of one. You don't like goals that aren't Arsenal goals, as a rule. Don't like anything that isn't Arsenal when it comes to football, mostly. But... Uh, let me think, non-Arsenal goals. Uh, My non-Arsenal goal even has an Arsenal connection, um, which, of course, is Dennis Bergkamp versus Argentina in the World Cup. That's a great shout. So it's not that's an Arsenal goal. It's a, it's a goal scored by an Arsenal player... I mean, I'm trying to think there must be like loads of 
great oh, goals I mean, that have like, been scored, but I just... I, I love Yossi, Yossi Benayoun for West Ham against Spurs on the l- l- lasagna day. Oh, yeah? Uh, that's an iconic goal for me. I mean, a lot of goals against Spurs I've enjoyed down the years. Um, just trying to think of a goal that I've really loved sort of aesthetically. Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, if you just put in best goals of all... I mean, there's Maradona against England, which you I like, particularly... Yeah, I liked. like the Messi goal, which is basically, you know, a bit like that goal, but it's not scored by Maradona against England. Um, Van Basten. Do you know the one I mean? Yeah. Van oh, yeah. Basten. That's sensational. Um, uh, I have to say, actually, if you're talking about just, like, do I like a goal... Uh, I love like a thumping volley. So Alan Shearer for Newcastle against Everton was a great volley, and I feel a bit queasy saying this, but uh-oh, uh-oh. Wayne Rooney against Newcastle for Manchester United. Do you remember that goal? Did he just sort it's, of run onto it and the ball broke to him it, outside yeah, the box and he? It's dropping out of the sky and he just. Thumps it in so hard. I've got a lot of affection for like a real pile driver, and mm. you know I'm no fan of Wayne Rooney, but I, I did like that goal. I mean, I'm guessing pretty much most of the goals that Messi scores, of course, could yeah. go in there. Um, I'm trying to think, but I don't really have any. Oh, favorites. I tell you what. This week, someone posted. I think it was yesterday, actually. It was the anniversary, the 23rd anniversary of uh, the Carol Paborski chip at Euro 96. Is it a and chip, I have, though? Well, what, what do you consider it? I would, I would classify it as a slob. That is the correct definition. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. Because it's not quite a lob. It's definitely no. not a chip. And it's sort of a scoop. So it's a scoopy yeah. lob. So I call it a slob. Yeah, and I think, you know, any Manchester United player probably deserves that categorization. But I was there that day. Yeah. So I remember it very well. I was 10. Um, and, yeah, I was at, I was in Birmingham, I think. At Villa Park, maybe. And, yeah, I was there, so I, I always think fondly on that goal. Yeah, that was a good one. Didn't Davor Suker score an amazing chip in that tournament as well? Was it that tournament where he chipped it over maybe Schmeichel? It France 98. I'm not sure. Maybe it was. Maybe it was. I love a chip. I love a chip. Chip, Schmeichel. I mean, Carlos Vela was a man for a chip. Andre Santos. It was at Euro 96. It was Euro 96. Euro 96. Suker against two. Suker against Denmark. Denmark. And also, we love to see Peter Schmeichel. I mean, we saw him lobbed brilliantly by Robert Perez. That was very clearly. For me, that's a lob, though, you know. Oh, that is a fucking beautiful goal, isn't it? Suker yeah. just picks it up, takes a touch, brings it on just inside the box, and then a little dinky chip as well, like a like he gets his foot right under it, like a playing a, a shot with a wedge in in golf. Beautiful and over Schmeichel. Uh, oh wow, it really goes high. Oh, I'm watching it now. So it's mm. a lovely first touch. He's right at the corner of the box. Yeah, that is a sensational goal. Mm. One of the most disappointing. Arsenal signings, really, in terms of like what I hoped he might be and what he turned out to be, Shuke. I was yeah. really excited about him. Yeah. It always felt quite short-term, though, you know, because he was... What age yeah. was he at that point? He was... Did we bring him in the season that we signed Thierry Henry? Wasn't it... 
Wasn't it that season? Yes, we... because we sold... It was sort of associated with the Anelka deal. He came from Real Madrid, mm. not in direct part exchange, but after we'd sold them Anelka. And it was like, yeah, we brought Henri in as well. But he we need a bit more... cover. Yeah. Yeah. He did score. But, didn't uh, he score a, uh, a goal from an indirect free kick inside the box? Maybe against Aston Villa? Yes, I think you might be right. One of those where, you know, the free kick is like six yards from the goal line and every single player is on the goal line and somehow he blasted it into the roof of the net. Yeah, I'm a big fan of those. Also, Uh, did he score a goal against... Sunderland? Like a a chip? Good goal. Yeah, it yeah. could have been a chip against. Uh, Maybe you're right. I'm just looking. He was only on with us a year, and then he joined West Ham, which is you know, okay, sort of graveyard. It was 2000. Watching Dan it here, Osuka. David Seaman, yes. long kick out. Oh, it's a brilliant goal. Henri, on is that? Yeah, Henri takes a touch. Boink. Here we go. Oh, it's a lob, really, isn't it? It's, it's a, a lob, lob, but it's a brilliant lob. Yeah, sensational. In off the post. I love a goal that goes in off the post. Love Anything that. enough that woodwork's good, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. So Davor Shuker, okay. Uh, there's some there's some non Arsenal goals and some Arsenal goals for you. Um, have you got another one? Yeah. I actually haven't. My questions were mainly Magpie related this week. Okay. A couple of quick ones to finish. Gunnar Est, who's at Margus Kask on Twitter, says now the real topic. When do you guys think we'll see Genduzi with short hair? It will happen sooner or later. Elneny and Fellaini have already done it. Yeah, I think they've done it because they were intimidated by Ganduzi's hair. And they, with him on the scene, they knew they couldn't compete. Okay. Uh, and they've backed down. I think he's got a few years left with it, for sure. I think he should hang on to it as long as possible. Um, hey. I don't know if you know this or not, but I'm a Photoshop wizard. Oh, I'm well aware. I can I can just make anything look hyper-realistic on Photoshop. The things, Deep fakes. Yeah, they don't have, like, gigantic big heads, which make them look really obviously fake or anything like that. And I spent a considerable part of this morning forensically putting together what it would look like if Matteo Genduzzi had a short back and sides. Right. And I... I think you're going to be a bit shocked by this. It's not a good look for him. I'm going to share it with you now, and I'm going to put the link to this image in the show notes. So you can click it either off the website or in your app. Just click the link, and you'll be able to see this picture of Matteo Genduzzi. This is 100% what he is going to look like if he were to shave his head this morning. Here it comes, James. There it is in the chat. Okay. right, let's... Get this link. I'm a bit nervous. Mm. Right. Oh, good God. (laughs) He has a remarkably misshapen head underneath all that hair. And this, this, yeah. It's imperative. He he maintains that hair. He must keep his hair. No wonder he grew it in the first place. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it's going anywhere in a hurry. 
I hope yeah. not for his sake. Yeah. Know, okay. Hate him to tread the same path as I have. You can have a look at that uh, in the show notes. Final one from Vieira's Vapor, VapoRub, which is a great Twitter handle, at Vieira's VapoRub. And he says, which Twitter accounts would you recommend to keep me entertained during the off-season? I obviously follow you guys. Uh, well, thanks. Um, and I'm enjoying Simpsons Arsenal account, which is good value too. Uh, but any other suggestions would be great. So do you have any Twitter accounts that people could follow to entertain them in the off-season, James? To entertain them? Mm. I mean, I must say, I'm sure you will do already, but if you don't, you should definitely follow uh, Tim Stillman at the moment because he's covering, he's doing double duty. He's doing the Women's World Cup and he's doing the Copper America mm. uh, and providing a lot of depth and insight on both so get on that at stilberto if you're not already yeah uh, but in terms of like pure entertainment i mean do, do stuff beyond football beyond football yeah i don't know i might give a shout out to um uh, a comedian a guy called Al- alistair green i think he's mr alistair green on twitter he does a lot of really funny videos like little short stupid sketches okay that really make me laugh um and Mo Gilligan's brilliant as well. Right. Mo the comedian. He's great. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the one I would recommend is if um, you don't follow it already, it's at Kids Write Jokes, which is amazing. Oh, I love that. It is yeah, just so, so funny. Basically, you kids write jokes, uh, and you know what kids' jokes are like, and some of them are just, I don't know why they make me laugh so much, but but they really do. For example... You're 1,000 years old, but you did not have your marriage. And why? Because you died. <laughs> <laughs> why did the chicken cross the road? Because he was stuck to the horse's bum. Uh, I like this one. What did the girl say to the Christmas tree? <laughs> You're dying, sad face. <laughs> <laughs> what do you call a Spanish toilet that weighs 200 pounds? A heavy toilet. <laughs> I love these. What do you do with life? Kill it. <laughs> Why did the wall fall down? Because it was 8,000 and that is too old. <laughs> I love those. Why is a boomerang rubbish? I don't know. Because it is rubbish. Yeah. I, I mean, they They're are brilliant. brilliant. You, you couldn't write anything funnier, really. Why do we have toast? <laughs> Why? For beans. Sure. <laughs> and that's actually just good logic, to be honest. Yeah, exactly. Uh, why did the chicken cross the road? To get its baby monkeys. Ha, 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 So if you want uh, to be entertained and you want a, an escape from the, uh, from the transfer uh, mayhem that's going on, at Kids Write Jokes uh, is yeah. well worth a follow. So that's it. All right. Shall we leave it there? Let's do it, yeah. Let's leave it there. Thank you, as ever, for listening. You know where to find all the other stuff. If you want to give us a rating or review on iTunes, that will be absolutely swell. We'd really appreciate that. Um, We will catch you on the next one next Monday, and I'll be back with an Arsecast on Friday at some point as well, rounding up whatever the hell has gone on this week. So until then, take it easy. Bye-bye.
holiday season, treat yourself. Treat yourself to candy. Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply.